Welcome to a great day for Hockey Talk. Brought to you by our founding partner, PPG, official paint of the Penguins. Here's Paul Steigerwald. Hello again, everybody, and welcome once again to It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk, Episode 1 of the 2019-20 season. Brought to you by PPG. I'm Paul Steigerwald, and it was my pleasure to have a conversation with Sergei Gonchar, the Geno Whisperer, if you will. Uh, not only just Geno, maybe all the defensemen, too. The defenseman whisperer for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Sergei Gonchar. You know what? If you open the dictionary to the word gentleman, his picture would be in there. This, this guy is the gentleman's gentleman and uh, one of the really nice people I've ever met in hockey. And I could, I, I know other, everybody else in the Penguins organization would say the same thing. He has been a tremendous help uh, to the young defenseman on this Penguin team. He talks very softly and carries a very big stick and did for 20 years in the National Hockey League, recording 811 points, 220 goals, 1,301 career regular season games, the most points among Russian-born blue liners in NHL history. And that's just an amazing number for him, 811. He won the Stanley Cup, of course, with the Penguins in 09, played in the uh, final in 08. Um, in 09, he came back from an injury. Uh, that was the year that Michael Terrian was fired and Dan Bilesman replaced him. And he came back right around the same time as that coaching change and helped the Penguins to that incredible run all the way to the Stanley Cup. What a great guy Sergey Gonchar is, and it was my pleasure to have this conversation with him. Sergey, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join us on our podcast. We really appreciate it. I want to take you all the way back, if we can, to, uh, well, you were born April 13, 1974, in a place called Chelyabinsk in Russia. Could you tell us about Chelyabinsk, what the, what the terrain is like, what the town was like, what living there was like? Oh, uh... It's a big industrial city with a lot of factories, and uh, uh, it's up north, so it's all uh, chilly in the winter, um, long winter, so perfect climate for hockey. You know, we would, uh, and our city is actually well known for hockey school, especially in the days when I was growing up, uh, our town had, uh, I would say, more than 10 hockey schools that we were able to play against each other. So wow. which is really nice. Yeah. So every weekend we can have a game and play against each other and not travel much. So it was, uh, yeah, it was very good. And we have, uh, uh, a lot of guys came out of that, uh, uh, school that playing on the different levels. You know, the, the guy that you probably know, it's Sergey Makarov. He, he was from there. It's probably our biggest name. So Kuznetsov is from there, uh, the younger guy. Uh, so there was a lot of guys came through the <coughs> school, and they become a good players on different levels. So, you know, I grew up playing hockey pretty much every day. Uh, winter was long. Sometimes they would cancel the school and would still go outside. They canceled school because of the weather, because it was a bit too cold, and would still go outside and play because, uh, you know, <laughs> we all love it so much. When you say cold, how cold? Uh, usually they cancel the school when it's like minus 30 <laughs> Celsius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, so. yeah, I guess it gets that way up sometimes up in uh, Manitoba, but not very often. Uh, so when you talk about the schools, were they the kind of school where you went to school and then you played, or was it was it strictly hockey? You Because know, I've heard the stories about the, 
you know, the schools. I know in the Czech Republic, a lot of guys went to those and also in Russia where you went to school class uh, for part of the day and the other part of the day you might be playing hockey. Uh, the way it works in our club is that in, uh, at the younger age, we were going to different schools and we're just practicing together, uh, usually in the afternoon. But when it got older, I would say when we got to the fifth grade, uh, fifth or sixth grade, they put us in the same class. So it was easy for, uh, you know, for us to travel so the school can accommodate, you know, uh, our schedule and, you know, let us go once in a while and skip maybe the day, day of school here and there. And when we come back, we'll have a couple extra hours every day to catch up. So that's the way it was set up with us. And, uh, you know, the school was uh, affiliated with the local uh, professional team. So when we got older, some of us, they had a chance to play with the farm team. And then uh, who was good, they were playing for the big club. And, you know, it was actually uh, very well uh, set up system. You know, a lot of kids have a chance to play hockey because we had free equipment and free ice and we have to pay for coaches and everything. So, no, as long as you want to play hockey, they give you opportunity. Do you remember your first exposure to hockey or when you first thought, hey, this is something I'd really like to do? Uh, to be honest with you, I think we all want to play hockey back home. Uh was something that... Uh, you know, everybody have done and everybody around you have been doing. Uh, it's probably similar to Minnesota or, you know, one of those northern states here like uh, Michigan when kids, uh, you know, pretty much everybody playing hockey growing up. For us, it was even probably more because we didn't have, a, uh, you know, baseball or football. Uh, so we only focus on hockey. So... At some point, I mean, in the very beginning, I was thinking to maybe play soccer, but my father told me that, uh, you know, the hockey program is better and, you know, and not the fastest guy in the, in, uh, on the team, so probably better focus on hockey. So I ended up playing hockey, and uh, my focus was on hockey uh, since I probably was like eight. So were you aware of Sergei Makarov? Like, was he like a hero to the people in your town because he had gone and, you know, played for the Red Army and was involved in so many big series and, they, of course, an incredibly successful team? Yes, of course. And another good thing about the system we had, we had access to uh, pretty much every game local uh, that the local pro club was playing. So when uh, any team come and plays against uh, our team, we would always be at the stands watching those games. And Sergei was coming in, playing for the Red Army, and, and you not only know you know him from uh, you know TV uh, and uh, all those Super Series, but you actually see him live, you know, during those practices. And coach was able to take us there as well, so we were watching their practices, we were watching. Uh, their games. So it was for us growing up, small ki- uh, young kids in small town was really special. Not small town, but like uh, in our community, it was very special. Mm-hmm. You said the club there was that Tractor Chelyabinsk. Yes, it was. Yeah. And what's Tractor? Is that a is that a big industry industry there? Yeah, they make they making tractors. Yes, <laughs> I figured that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, and and uh, did your dad work for that company, or what did your dad do uh, while you were growing up and learning the game? 
he was a welder, and my mom worked for the telephone company. Hmm. So was he a big hockey fan too? Like, did he, uh, you know, encourage you and that kind of thing? He never played himself. He likes the sport. He likes to watch it. Uh, yeah, I would, I would call him a fan, but uh, he's not. He wasn't a wolf uh, growing up. He was uh, doing cross country skiing uh, a little bit, but nothing, you know, on a serious level. Um, did, what exposure to the National Hockey League did you have as a young guy there in Chelyabinsk? We didn't have much, to be honest with you. Only chance that we had to see NHL is when our teams, like Red Army, for example, would go and play a couple of uh, the little super series, they call them, when they play against them or, I don't know, friendly series when they play during, around Christmas time. So uh, that's pretty much it. But then, you know, obviously 1987, the Canada Cup was there, but it's the only time we can see NHL players. I mean, very few of them came and played world championship back then, so we didn't we didn't see, you know, that many of it. I would think that because hockey was such a big part of uh, the culture in Chelyabinsk that you had an advantage uh, in terms of being able to play a lot of your young developing career right there in your backyard as opposed to having to move hundreds and thousands of miles away maybe to play in in a more competitive environment. Am I correct on that? Yes, you are. You know, as I said, we had like uh, more than 10 local clubs that we can play against. And within a few hours uh, of driving, we had another four or five teams. So, you know, for us, there was always a competition. So plus when you're getting to the age when you, uh, I don't know, 14, 15, you start playing those uh, uh, like a national championships and you qualify for them, then you're playing them. Plus, you're playing all the local clubs uh, during the weekend. So there is a lot of hockey. You know, looking back, I'm thinking there is a lot of hockey uh, for us to play. But at the same time, you know, our uh, system was a little different. We had a lot of time to practice. We usually would have like four or five practices a week. So we can actually have a chance to work on our skills. Because I know over here, Guys not practicing as much. They, you know, do it once or twice a week, and they play games on weekends. So for us, I guess the difference was that we had a chance to develop our skills, you know, develop our skating, stick handling, all those little details, which are important, you know, while we were practicing. Did you feel as though, Sergey, looking back on it now, that you were part of something that was unique in the sense that? You know, we look back at the at the way the Russians played the game. It was different than the way they were playing in North America. Were there a lot of the same uh, approaches and tactics and things like that that uh, the, the Russians took that we've become familiar with over the years? Were they ingrained in the way that you were brought up to as a hockey player in Chelyabinsk? Yes, yes. It came, uh, you know, as I said, from those practices, you're working a lot on your skills. A lot of a lot of like uh, little games when you're developing your hockey sense, you know, the give and go games. Uh, you know, it was yes. a system that developed those. Uh, uh, that, that, that's a kind of a skill, you know, in the player. So and you know, you have to remember that we would be on the ice, but then we, off the ice, would have a. Um, we didn't have a workouts in the sense that we, 
uh, have them now when people lifting the weights, but we would have after the ice or maybe even before the ice, we would go and we would play soccer, we would play you know basketball, we would do a little bit of a, a workout in a sense, like we will do a little push-up, sit-up. So we probably didn't develop our strength uh, as much uh, back then. Uh, but we were focusing on a, another part of the game. When you're working on new skills, we're working on, uh, uh, you know, as I said, on new uh, hockey senses, and you develop those every day by playing those games. Dry land training is what the, the first thing. I mean, I remember seeing the we still see it in the Red Army movie. You see the old dry land training that the Soviets did to, uh, that weren't being done. That was not being done over here at that time. Did you always want to be a defenseman, Sergey, or were you a forward at one time? No, I want to be forward. They've been told I'm too slow to play <laughs> forward. Standy. Yeah. Too slow. <laughs> yeah, when I was young, yeah, I had a, I didn't skate as well, and you know, it took me a while to get going. To be honest with you, I, uh, I was uh, one of those kids who, you know, didn't skate as well at the early ages, and uh, I had to make my reads to make up for it. So I guess I developed that, you know, sense of reading the game and being in the right spot because I was forced to. My skating wasn't that good, and took me, uh, I would say maybe like 16, 17, that late I started skating better. Uh, but before that, I, uh, I wasn't, you know, good of a skater and had, I had to work a lot to improve it. Um, you were about 13 years old when uh, the Canada Cup occurred in 87, and Mario mm-hmm. and company were, uh, were playing in that series. It was incredible hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned it. And then you were drafted in 92, uh, mm-hmm. right when the Penguins and Mario were winning the Stanley Cup. Were you aware of the Penguins uh, throughout that stretch there when Mario kind of probably made a pretty big impact, I would think, on Russian hockey fans? I would, uh, I should say that Mario put Pittsburgh on the map. I mean, like when he started playing for them, you know, people start recognizing that uh, city, that team more and more. I mean, he's the guy who brought all the attention to them and obviously, you know, got follow up. Uh, you know, and they start winning. Uh, so you know, yeah, back back when I, when I was growing up, you know, I didn't hear much about that. But when he started playing for Pittsburgh, and you know, and then he came and played for uh, that Canada Cup, you know, we all, I mean, knew that he's playing in Pittsburgh. He's uh, making all those records, and so yeah, Pittsburgh was. Uh, recognized after he started playing for Pittsburgh and after he started, you know, breaking those records. So you end up being drafted by the Capitals. You go to the capital of the United States, Mm -hmm. uh, the Washington Capitals. You're a Russian player, I would say, still in the earlier days of the Russians playing in the NHL. I mean, only a year before the Penguins won that 92 Cup, the year you were drafted, uh, Slava Fatisov Mm -hmm. was playing for the Devils. Uh, they had only been a few years into a stretch where they had, you know, Fatisov and Kasatonov and Krutov, and then of course Larionov and Makarov came into the league. and uh, And I'm just wondering if, um, you know, when when you started to play in Washington, how difficult was it for you from a cultural standpoint, uh, you know, to learn the language and to fit in, if you will. So, uh, as you said, like it was difficult. You know, it's not only the language. You have to, 
also consider the fact that I grew up in a different system. Uh, like if you think about it, we didn't have a credit cards, right? We didn't have a checkbooks. We didn't have a, you know, all those things that you guys growing up with. So like when I got here, I had to go to the bank and open up my own account and get my credit card and debit card. And obviously, you don't speak English at that time. And Washington tried to help as much as I can, and they did. But in the same time, you're going to the store, you're making <laughs> the payment first time, or you're trying to figure out what you're buying, what's on the shelf. And so all those things that, <laughs> you know, it comes, uh, you know, uh, to you when you're young, you know, I, uh, we didn't have anything back then. Like you, so you have to learn all those things. You have to know them. I mean, learn about them. Uh, so it takes, uh, and it takes uh, a while, you know, to start feeling comfortable. Uh, on another hand, I don't think the hockey was a problem for me. At least I actually felt, better here on this uh, smaller ice surfaces because the game is more intense and you're more involved and, you know, the action is going, always going on. Plus, I think hockey, it's easy to adjust. I mean, the kind of a universal language, you understand, you know, how the game is playing and you know, obviously there is a difference here and there, but, you know, you're making those adjustments and you're playing. And that part was kind of, you know, I don't know, I shouldn't say easy, but it was easier to adjust probably than the lifestyle and, you know, the language and, you know, all that stuff. Well, we're going to get to Gino in a minute, but, like, I look at Gino, he had the benefit of having you to lean on. Who did you lean on in Washington? Anybody? Uh, Peter Wondra was there. He spoke uh, Russian. Dmitry Kristich was there. He helped me a bit. So, yeah, there was a few guys, and, you know, I didn't, I was a young guy, and uh, Peter and Dmitry, they both had families, and it was a little, maybe they didn't spend as much time with me, but uh, when I need anything and I ask for help, they always did help me. When did you meet your wife-to-be, uh, uh, Xenia? I met her in uh, 1998 in uh, Japan, in Nagano. Hmm. And uh, she was skating, I assume, there. Yeah, yeah, she was figure skater for... Armenia, and, uh, you know, we met at the last day of the Olympic Games and start talking, and... Uh, rest is history. we married. Yeah, <laughs> rest is history. And she was a fantastic skater, I take it? Like, you must have been enthralled with that, I would think. Uh, she she was a good skater. She was on the way to maybe become a better skater, and, uh, you know, then I show up, and she got married, and she didn't probably reach her full, full potential. She was very young back then, and, you know, uh, in the figure skating, you have to, in any sport, I should say, you have to put your years in to get to the highest level, and, uh, you know, she was very young, and she was on the way there, but uh, I don't know if it's unfortunately for sports, but it's definitely fortunate for me that uh, she stopped skating, and we got married, and now we have a great family. I'll say she's one of the nicest people I've ever met in hockey. Just, to, I just want to make sure I tell you that because I think she's incredibly <laughs> lovely. You. She's a really, really lovely person. Like one of the nicest people I've met in the Penguins organization. Um, you came to Pittsburgh in the f in as a free agent in '05, Sid's rookie season. 
And as mm-hmm. I recall, it was not an easy transition for you in Pittsburgh that year. It was a, you know, the Penguins weren't a good team yet. Uh, there were, you know, there was promise because of Sid being here and all. But uh, as I recall, it wasn't the best of times in your career in terms of that first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. You know, it was not an easy transaction. I, I think like the team was uh, a little bit in a tra- transition too. You know, like a couple of young, a uh, couple. Uh, New faces uh, came into the club. Not only me, if uh, you know, John Leclerc was signed, Ziggy Palsy, You know, like there was a few people, more than like one or two guys, who were signed that summer. Seed came in, and uh, you know, it took us a little longer than everyone would be, uh, than everyone expected to uh, get a chemistry, and uh, that's why I think it was a uh, slow start for me you know i didn't it took me a while to get used to new partners and uh, in the city and but i tell you, i would say like second half of the season you know when i start feeling comfortable again you know everything mm-hmm. get back on track i'll say and then the next year uh you made quick progress you guys made the playoffs and uh you know gino came along uh that year so i guess i'd be remiss if i didn't get right into that right now i mean obviously uh, you were a tremendous benefit to Evgeny Malkin when he came to Pittsburgh on so many levels. Um, what do you remember about those early days and, and just taking Gino under your wing? Uh, what do I remember? I remember that uh, <laughs> uh, the first time I, – I mean, first of all, I have to say that I met him earlier, right? That's uh, right. You played in Magneto Gorsk. Right. Yeah, right, we right. played together. So I knew him a bit. I knew he's a great guy, you know, shy person with – great hockey talent but as i said like uh i, I mean first of all from to me he was like a, a great person uh, and uh you know the reason that i invited him to live in my house is because i knew he's a great guy and you know it's not going to be a problem uh you know bring him in, under my roof so and he came you know it was an easy adjustment for all of us uh, I mean, for me, it was a little easier because I knew him, but, you know, also for my uh, wife and my daughter, you know, everybody felt comfortable, and so it was an easy transaction for all of us. And the winner is Afghani Malkin. <laughs> Easy to me if I'm read my last speech again, <laughs> but I, I'm lost. Sorry, uh, I won't say just one thing. I remember when I come to US six years before, it's different language. I, I'm not speak a lot, you know. It's uh, different life and different game. It's not easy. And one guy who always support me all six years and still best friend, and I won't give this trophy to him and his name is Sergey Ganchar. He's my best friend right now and always together and one day I, I'm glad one day I meet him. Thank you. 
Well, he's come a long way as far as the language and uh, and just adjusting, as you said, to the culture and the various aspects of life. I mean, uh, you know, not that we didn't know that he would because he's a very intelligent person, too, and he, he cares deeply about, you know, making sure that he fits in. But I just wonder if uh, you, you've been kind of amazed at just, you know, how his life has unfolded here with his own son now and just the way things have kind of gone for Gino since you first uh, started living with him or he living with you. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been a long time ago, and over those years, I mean, he matured, he become a great hockey player, you know, um, but I think deep inside, he's a, still the same guy, nothing has changed, I think, you know, all that success and fame changing much, you know, he's a great guy to be around, uh, always making jokes and having fun, so and he's more, much more... Uh, uh, he's not as serious as people think. Like he's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I think we've uh, seen that. <laughs> we've been able to find that out over the course of time. But I know what you mean. He is serious, yeah. but we we know that he has a great sense of humor. I don't know. I yeah, think that's pretty yeah, obvious. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel uh, it's good. You guys, he doesn't speak English as well. You know, <laughs> otherwise, he'll be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making fun uh, of everybody. Well, we'll get George Berman to do some translating for us, maybe, and he can. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Um, so anyway, you know, you and Gino get together as you know teammates, and you go on, and in '08 you go to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, that doesn't you know end well, but it sets you up for the next year, and then you get hurt in training camp. That was horrible. David Kochi hit you, which was really ridiculous. I think he was trying to prove something, and you know, in a training camp game that he wanted to make the team, so he hammered you. You end up with a bad shoulder injury. Boy, that, is a, that was a tough injury to come back from, and w- what a year that was. I mean, highs and lows for you, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I was uh, working hard that summer, you know, preparing myself for the training camp and, you know, uh, going into the game, I, you know, uh, going into that camp, I, th- I thought that I'm ready and, you know, I'm in good shape and I'm going to have a good year. And then, you know, that injury happened, you know, the first shift of the game, you know, with that late heat after, you know, I moved the puck and I got hit five seconds later. I was obviously frustrated because I knew it's, uh, it's a serious one and I had to go through the surgery to get it fixed. But uh, at the same time, you know, it happened. What happened has happened. You can really turn the things around. I mean, change things, yes. change the past. So I, I mean, I focus on my rehab. You know, uh, Mark helped me a lot with my rehab. I spent like four months to get, uh, four I would say months <laughs> in the gym every day, mm. doing things, working on my shoulder, and then mm, thanks to him. I don't know if Mark going to listen to this, but I would say thank you on the radio. Mark Mortland, you mean, done. yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm glad, I'm glad he was there to help you. That's, And then, of yeah. course, uh, you did come back uh, right around the same day that Michael Terrian was dismissed. You guys went on mm-hmm. that incredible run, and I'm kind of going fast forward here because I want to make sure we get to some other topics. But I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, then you, you're, you're getting back in a groove, and then Alexander Ovechkin hits you knee-to-knee in the opening round, and now you're out again. What were your thoughts at that time about what your uh, chances of coming back were? Like, when, like to us, we were really worried. But then you came back by Game 7. But what were what were you thinking at the time about your chances of coming back? 
I mean, when it just happened, obviously you're very frustrated because, you know, you just had a surgery, you know, it's a playoff, you want to be out there and help the team. But, uh, you know, uh, next day, I, I mean, I recognize, you know, I can uh, live with that. I can, you know, skate, walk with it. So it was like, wow, it's a surprise to me. It's, it's not as bad as I, you know, I... I thought it would be so. Another day went by, and then I stepped on the ice and made a few laps. And it's well, I can actually maybe even using that brace and skate with that. So you know, uh, it was uh, very fortunate, I guess, that uh, that uh, I was able to adjust to that pain and damage and play with that. You know, sometimes it's. You can't do this, you know. You're turning and you're losing your balance, and you know you're going into the bottle, and then your leg is not strong enough. But uh, the injury was uh, that spot in the spot where it kind of not limited my abilities. I mean, of course it's limited, but it's not to the point I was uh, not going to be able to be there. So I guess it's uh, it's a good thing that had happened to me. Obviously, it's a it's an injury, and you. You know, you don't want to be injured, but at the same time, you know, when the injury happened and it gives you that, leaves you that ability to, you know, to perform. Maybe not in the highest level of yours, but you know, to the level that you can help the team. You obviously taking that opportunity in the playoffs, and you're going right back in. I remember you scoring a goal. It looked like Bob Airy said something about you being on one leg. It was like you adjusted. <laughs> you adjusted to. It's amazing. Using the right skate to get the puck to the stick and shuffling it by Varlamov. Now look at, he doesn't use his right skate, the right leg to shoot that puck, Gonchar. It was his right knee that was injured. Watch, he shoots it just all with the left leg. Look, no weight on the right leg at all. That tells me he's still injured. Um, so you win the series, and did you take any particular glee in uh, eliminating Alexander Ovechkin at that time? Uh, I don't know. It just to me, it was uh, you know, just so winning, happy yeah. that we we won, we won. Yeah, you know, it's what happened. It happened. Uh, I just focus on the us moving forward, and you know, and you're beating them, but you're not winning the Stanley Cup. No, yet, you're so. not. <laughs> and we and we were in the finals last year, so we end up. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to end up in the same spot again, so you focus on actually on winning the cup, not not beating the Washington Capitals. Well, there have been a couple of cups for the Penguins since, but you won that cup in '09, Sergey, and I would think that that would be the pinnacle right now for your career, right? Yes. I, I, I mean, I don't think people recognize how hard it is. I mean, if you think about it, you're playing for 82 games plus the preseason, and then playoff starts, and the game goes to another level. I mean, like, uh, you've been around, you've seen those games. I mean, the closer you're getting to the finals, the tougher and tougher the game is, and and uh, takes a lot of energy out of you, and, you know, every second of the game is so important, and, you know, it, it's uh, I think it's one of the hardest trophy, trophies to win, and... Uh, and I was very fortunate to win one here in Pittsburgh. And we couldn't have done it without you, Sergey. That's for <laughs> sure. Before we go, uh, I want to, you know, just mention that uh, you know you're you are the highest scoring uh, goal scoring uh, Russian defenseman in the history of the game. Uh, you know, uh, Sergey Zubov is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this fall. Uh, why should I not think, and Penguins fans and all fans of hockey think that someday you're going to get that call? Do you ever think about that? 
Yeah, whatever is going to happen has happened. Uh, I mean, it would be nice, obviously, <laughs> but uh, you know, I just focus on the on the team right now and trying to help those young kids to get better. You know, hopefully, win another cup. I'm amazed at the, at the things that you can impart. Like one thing that I I love that you did, uh, Sergey, when you, the way you brought the puck off the wall on the right side because you're a left shot. You had ability mm-hmm. to bring it to the middle, which a lot of guys can't do. When the puck would come out to you. You were on your backhand a lot, and yet you figured out a way to keep that puck in and all, and just like so seamlessly transition it from coming to you along the wall, bringing it into the middle, and then of course you could make those beautiful, perfect passes to Latang for those one timers. I mean, those are things that can you teach that? I mean, is it is there stuff there that you can help our young defensemen with? I'm trying to teach them. I I, I mean, I try to share. My knowledge with them, and any when I any way I can in any situation. I mean, the playing in a blue line is the is one thing that uh, I'm uh, working with with our guys who was on a power play. Uh, I don't know. To me, it was one of those things that uh, when you're talking about that particular play, it came came kind of uh, naturally. I don't know. It's just one of those things that. I don't know. I just get the puck, and it just happened. Yes. <laughs> I never thought of, I never thought about it. I actually start thinking about this more when I become a coach, because like you, you want to deliver message to the guys, right? You want to explain them what happened and how it happened, and you know, and try, try to teach them to do that, right? So, and then you start thinking more about it. Then you're thinking about your body position, uh, you know, how you position yourself, how you open up, how you, you know, handling the puck and all that stuff. So I think like. That particular place, it was since it was a little bit more natural to me. I didn't think much about it, but then when I become a coach, I start looking at our guys and how they doing this stuff. I, I start, uh, you know, analyzing, uh, you know, walking the blue line more and explaining mm-hmm. to our guys. That's interesting. You're breaking down your own game to be able to then <laughs> teach it to someone else. It's really cool. It's really great. Yeah. I, and I've heard great stories about how much you use video and everything. Just mention one thing I did notice you're working on with Marcus Pedersen was that half slapper, like less of a windup, and that that looked yeah. like something that could help him. Yeah, I think it would help any D on our team because if you think about it, the higher you bring in your stick, uh, you know, the longer the stick is traveling to the ice, the more time that forward has to get in the lane and you know, or put the stick uh, and mm-hmm. check the puck. So. I think uh, now games is so fast. A lot of times you don't have that much time to make that shot. So trying, I'm trying to <clears throat> work with Marcus and some of our other guys to have that quick release and deliver puck to the net. Okay, before you go, I just want to ask you one question. You're a cultured guy, Sergey. I've always been impressed with the fact that you have interest outside of hockey. Do you still <laughs> love classical music? I remember you going to St. Petersburg and you talked about how beautiful it was there and do you like yeah. do you like uh, you know to, to listen to classic classical music and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do. I just uh, you know you have to be in the mood for it. And you know, once in a while, I I listen something different. Once I mean I, I listen everything pretty much, and classical music is a part of it. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I knew it would be very interesting. It is to me, and I hope the fans enjoyed our conversation as well. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Sergey Gonchar. Let's all hope that he does get that call for the Hockey Hall of Fame. 
This has been It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk. I'm Paul Steigerwald, and our thanks to PPG for bringing you our podcast.